audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back, everybody. Leadership in action. That's who we are. We're Sirius XM Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm Mike Husseem. I'm with the Leadership Center and the McNulty Leadership Program here at the Wharton School. I'm on faculty as well. And now we're going to turn to our second guest, who is based in Brazil. I'd like to welcome Jose Augusto Figueiredo, who is president for Brazil of Lee Hecht Harrison, a, a very large human resource and leadership consulting firm. Uh, he works a lot on career transitions. We'll find out more about what that entails. He teaches leadership in an executive MBA program at a very prominent MBA school in Brazil. And <clears throat> I guess he doesn't have his week completely filled up, although that sounds like a lot right there. He's working on his doctoral degree. So, Jose, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you, Mike. So, nice jo- to talk to you. Nice to talk with you. And, and Jose, I just do want to add that you hold a degree in mechanical engineering from the yes. University of the State of Rio de Janeiro. Yes. And in psychology from Santa Ursula University. So uh, you are well-educated indeed. And um, I very much appreciate what uh, Lee Hecht Harrison uh, just does as a firm. But I wonder if you can just say a few words about the firm and its uh, objectives, and then we'll turn more to you and your role in leading that firm in Brazil. So just a few words about your employer, Lee Hecht Harrison. Okay. Thanks, Mike. We are a global uh, consulting company. Our specialization is career transition and leadership development. So we are working always with companies and people regarding the development inside the company or outside the company. So we are helping people in self-knowledge in order to, to give them more, uh, more tools to find out a new job when they are outside. And inside the company, we are providing coaching, assessment, all career development and leadership development tools to, to help them to improve themselves, to become a better leaders, and to develop overall in their career. That's great. And, Jose, just to give us a feel for scale, how many people does the firm employ worldwide, and then how about in Brazil? We have close to 4,000 people worldwide, and, and in Brazil we have 120 consultants from the north to the south, uh, all around the country. Terrific. So, Jose, I'm going to make an observation about our common heritage of a certain kind. Uh, You have a degree, as I mentioned, in mechanical engineering. I have a degree in physics. Um, And now um, I also teach in an executive program uh, for, uh, sorry, an MBA for a program for executives, as you do. And I do worry a lot about career development and, to some degree, career transition. So my question back to you, Jose, how did you get from mechanical engineering to working on coaching and career development and well beyond? Yeah, that was a very interesting life experience. (laughs) I was working, I was living in the U.S., working for a pharmaceutical company, American Home Products, based in Persephone, 
New Jersey, mm -hmm. and my company was acquired by BASF, the German company, and uh, I was invited to come back to Brazil. At that time, I had 10 years working uh, in, in, in the American home products, and I was pretty much working supply chain and marketing areas, activities. When I was invited to come back to Brazil and, and take over the same position at the, the Germany, German company, I would start thinking about what's going to be the future, doing the same thing and working in the same environment. So I had a chance to start reflecting and what about what's going to be the future. When I met uh, a coach, and started asking him questions, and I started reading some books. And he, she gave me the, the, the biography of Sigmund Freud, and I started falling in love uh, with psychoanalysis. And then I, I started reading more, and I, started, I was reflecting what's going to be my next step in terms of career, so I decided to move. I started to start working as a consultant. In, 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 at that time, the company I worked with was GBM, Drake Bean Mori, was a Lee Hector Harrison competitor. So it hmm. was, was interesting because I want to, fi to find something like I can, I can have more freedom to entrepreneur, Myself, I want to work in the services industry, and I want to work in a in a company that people make the difference. I didn't want to work in a company with a strong brand, and I have some proposals that was uh, completely changed. Even with friends, were, was was difficult to explain the decision I made and the, the shift I changed because in the beginning was to make more money in terms of salaries and the, everything, all the benefits a mm -hmm. big corporation has. Was, but it was very interesting. After three years, I, I, I found myself loving what I was doing, and the, I decided to go to the, back to the university to understand more about people, about behavior, about uh, psychoanalysis, and the, and the start getting deeper in terms of understanding the human Hmm. behavior, especially in the environment of working. Jose, I, I think we hear something akin to what you've just said from almost all the guests that we've had on this program. We hear it from students, and that is searching the search, the human search, the individual, the personal search for an opportunity yeah. to make a difference. Let me dwell on that for a minute, making a difference. Let's break that down. And just literally drawing on your own experience, your own thinking, and your own case, as you looked ahead, trying to find a place that would allow you to make a difference, what were the three or four elements that you were anxious to see in front of you? I, I was, I mean, I, I was trying to, to, to find something that I, 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 I can recognize myself as an important person in the universe. I was trying to, to think big in the future. I was trying mm -hmm. to, how can I, when I become, when I turn 60, 65 years old, and I look back, and what would be my legacy for the society? 
I was always thinking about the, to 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 give back everything I gave, all the all the healthy all parents I had, everything in terms of life, mm-hmm. uh, God, and the society. So that I was trying where I can give better. I need to find out what what I do better. So that was my something that I would love to do. If I love to do something, certainly I'm going to be doing well, and somebody is going to be find my contribution. So I think the key word to me about the future is the contribution. So I was trying to find where are my competences in terms of what I do well, what is my style, my behavior, my values, and then I start thinking about the meaning of one life in the work. So I designed my my professional life to help high-performance leaders to make a difference. So that was was not easy in the beginning, but after two years working, I was, I mean, was get shining inside, uh, inside mm. out, yep. something that I would make a difference in, in this world. You know, I, Jose, just to offer... Fear? Uh, yeah, I'll just to offer a quick uh, kind of an editorial statement here. I think if we can find a place where we love to make a difference, we're going to make more of a difference. A question stemming from that, though, is this. Uh, it sounds like you, and it's my own case as well, that it took a, a little while to to work your thinking through. You majored in mechanical engineering. Uh, it's a great field. I took a lot of engineering courses myself. I really appreciate it. But at a certain point, you appreciated that another way of living, another another way of professionally working was more the you. So for listeners on our program who are somewhere on that path of trying still to work out what is really going to make a difference to them, what advice would you have with the benefit of looking back on your own evolution it's not easy advice. I think that we we start thinking about uh, we are trying to build a house uh, for our lifetime, and the, you have two options. You can start put all the bricks together, and the, every day you you can put another brick in your construction, mm-hmm. and the, one day you're gonna find out your house. Second option mm-hmm. is. You can start dreaming about your future house. You can design. You can draw. You can exercise. And from the point that you find in your plan, in your vision of the future, you can start doing things in the present that goes in direction of the the future house. So that's two ways mm-hmm. to, to, to make the plan happen. And the advice is you have to decide now and what do you do better? What what do you do in terms of not what do you want to do because it's not selfish stuff. It's something that you can give to the others. What is your contribution? That's the key question for me. What is something that you can do that is going to make people uh, pay you, government, make people mm-hmm. uh, be happy with you. They they're gonna receive something for you. That's the difference you make. That's great. Uh, 
Jose, if you'd hang on for just a second, I just want to remind listeners that this is Leadership in Action, business radio powered by the Wharton School here at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Mike Usain. I'm on the faculty, and we're talking with Jose Augusto uh, Figueiredo, I hope I got that pronounced correctly, president of Lee Hecht Harrison in Brazil, which is a firm that worries about career transitions, placement, and leadership development. And Jose, just to move uh, now from you into the kind of work you do for the firm and with your clients, help us understand a bit about how you would work with an individual who is looking to move to a new, maybe a new location, a new city, maybe even a kind of a new occupation, a career transition. So just let's get a, let's get going on that. How do you advise and coach and guide optimal career transitions? Yeah, I mean, we are sponsored by companies. So every, if you're thinking about the, the, what's going on, the new technologies, all the digital moments that companies are working with, all the transformation that companies are made, in some occasions there are a, a need to lay off people. So the company come to us and they sponsor one program. It depends on the, the how senior is is the person, or and the, if we have one year programs, we have programs for IC CEOs, we have programs for managers, and the the I'd say the blue or the the blue colors mm -hmm. level, and, and we design this program. But but, but basically the first question is asking the person what do you want for your next step and where are you come from in terms of competences so we, we help them with assessments to, to find out the contribution that they made in the previous life in the previous job and we start helping them to 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 design a marketing campaign in terms of where I can give my contribution in the future. What are the competences that make different for some company, a new business, mm -hmm. a different, sometimes in a new location or sometimes it's a totally different industry. It, it depends on the, on, the, on the candidate that we call all the person, all the people. And, and we help them to make this reflection we build in this case of the career transition, uh, a new resume, we help them how to use all the social media. It depends on the how fluent is the person mm -hmm. using mm -hmm. that. And so it's a pretty much helping them to make a marketing campaign. I usually to ask people, what are the companies they are targeting? For example, if one person tells me uh, my my target is general electric, the second question is why is general electric? Mm -hmm. What is your contribution for general electric? And they, they start designing what they are, they have research about general electric. What are the potential contribution that they can give? And I help them to open the door and have a conversation with general electric. If if they don't have a very uh, open position explicitly mm -hmm. in the in the in their or website or in with your headhunters, we also help them to talk to have a nice interview with headhunters at the 
top executive levels, and we have a cross uh, services among all the countries. Uh, Jose, uh, let's talk for a minute about headhunting. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, no, Jose, I can hear you now. We got you. Let's talk, as I was saying, let's talk for a few minutes about headhunters, often known as executive search firms as well. They're very important in the world, just like real estate brokers are very important in the local community. If you want to buy a house, uh, you often uh, are going to be best served if you go to a agent that understands the market and what your interests are. In and among the names uh, I know you work with these firms are Spencer Stewart and Egon Zender and Corn Ferry, and then in yep. mo- and most countries have a number of largely domestic, separate, uh, separately incorporated executive search firms. Uh, if you could just say a few words about the importance of linking up with executive search uh, in Brazil, how significant is that? How do people? I realize you you help them make the initial contact, but then how do they best work with a headhunter uh, to find that new location? Yeah, I I would say that if you if you look at the names that they have, they are hunters. So first thing they have, they love to find you, and it's not yeah. easy that you to find them. So it's it's something that you have to. It's a kind of seduction process. Mm-hmm. So you have to help them. They they are always a good partners, but the idea is help them sometimes to find a target for you mm-hmm. because they are interested to find companies that they are searching for people. That's their job. And mm-hmm. you have to find understand that you are not that they are clients. And it's very usual in the process when somebody starts the process with us, they think that they are clients of the headhunters. The headhunters' clients, they are are companies. Mm -hmm. And they are for companies, searching for companies, the profile of competence in some people that they are going to make the match. So it's very important because sometimes we see some some people that they are very anxious to, to get a response, anxious to get an email back from a headhunter. And I say that they are not bad people, they are not poor, uh, they are very busy, but you are not their client. So you have to be patient because mm-hmm. by the time they find a spot that can match with your profile, they're going to call you. So that's that's one very important thing because if you don't understand this dynamic, we're going to end up thinking that they are not very good people. They are very selected. No, that's that's their their life. I heard once once one very tough stuff. One headhunter told me that I Jose, I don't have friends. Everyone that comes to me has an interest hmm. in my job, not on me. Mm-hmm. So that's. It's a very, very long situation. Yep. A so, very revealing point there. Yeah. Uh, let me and ask. They, a, a quick... they are very strong operation in Brazil. All I mean, say when you go to a, from a family company to a, a big multinational, they they are working with them, and they are very uh, important to find out some specific profiles, some. Uh, in the top positions, someone that's going to make a turnaround in a company or make a, sh- a cultural shift. 
they are very, very important in the, the channel value of human resource. I've got a tactical question along that line. If an individual, let's say a mid to senior level manager at, um, let's make it Petrobras, would like to move into consumer electronics, a pretty big transition, um, but they have a skill set that might be useful in a completely different sector, are they, in effect, by the customs, allowed to make contact with several headhunters at the same time? Do they have to make it exclusive with only one? What guidance would you have on that? Yeah, they they can. I mean, in this case, the person can can be in touch with a lot of different headhunters. Uh, if the company they work with, in, in your example, for example, Petrobras, Petrobras if the Petrobras has a off limits with some some search mm-hmm. uh, company. Of course, this company is gonna is gonna point out. Oh, no, I cannot work with you because I have off limits agreement yeah. with Petrobras, so I cannot I cannot select you. So that's that's gonna yeah. gonna happen a lot because there are some companies that they are very exposed for the market with the, their talents. So they they have agreements with all big uh, search companies, and and then. It, those people that they are work, they they can leave, but they will not find a headhunter to yep. to take them off. And then coming back to your reference to the need for patience, and some people that you work with are a little bit on the impatient side. They want to hear today from an executive search firm they made contact with. If that's one of several mistakes, are there a couple other? fairly common missteps that people who want to enter the employment market make in dealing with executive search? Yeah, another very common mistake is someone that just left and they say that I'm going to have a sabbatical period. I'm going to take a couple months relaxing and just with my family, and I probably go to the beach and stay for a while. And they say that, and they start, I mean, they go, and they start thinking 24 hours a day about the transition. And after the second or third day, they call you and start asking questions about the resume, because a friend of the, a friend just called, and there is some uh, empty position in some place, and they don't have a resume. And uh, if they call us, it's easy because we can help them. But sometimes they don't call. They just send a resume to a, a search company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, in the end, they discover they were not selected because the, the, the resume was not well prepared, and they, they were not communicating who they are. In, in a in a good shape, they don't talk about contributions. They, they there is no accomplishment in the resume, so uh, they, it's it's very usual to happen. Another thing that happens a lot is the people leave the companies and they start, I mean, sending messages to everyone in their network to communicate that that they left. Sometimes the content of this message is not good because mm-hmm. they are start they are feeling not well in the 
in the in the movement of leaving, and they they are very emotional and they start talking uh, that was great. The 25 years I was working with, but that's a good moment to split. They start talking about things that people don't like to read and they, they don't like to feel as well. So it's a marketing positioning, and the the guy has is a, a, a solution provider that is going to the market and he has a potential contribution. So we have to find first the contribution. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna find someone that is able to buy this contribution. So there is no emotional issue to show to the market and the feelings. And I had one candidate once that he told me, I just sent some message to my network. And how how many people do you have in your network? That was my Outlook message, 2,000 people. Wow. <laughs> can, you, can you send more than, more than that? <laughs> 2,000 people. Yeah. And what about your resume? Have you sent your resume yeah. to somebody else? Yeah. I had to send a few people. Okay, how many people have you sent your resume? 155 people. So if you want to change your resume now, can you... <laughs> Can you dare that you're going to be asking people again to receive your new resume? Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's in the beginning of the transition process it's very important to relax and but think strategically. Yep. And to to stay under the table until you're not ready to show your face to the market. Yep, great it, phrase there. Think strategically. We kind of yeah. look at all the pieces. Yeah, so, and and the uh, we, that's our mm. proposition, value proposition. We help people to, to, to understand, to acknowledge their feelings in the first moment, and then to helping them to accelerate in, in the change curve and then strategically design the best positioning for them. Yep. And we do it together. Jose, we're going to take a very brief station break. I want you to stay with us. We're, we've got a lot of terrain to cover. And when we do come back on the air, I'm going to ask you about that idea of taking a sabbatical, uh, taking off a month. I've heard people take off six or even 12 months. Is that a good or a bad idea? Let's hold that thought for a few minutes. I just want to report to everybody that uh, I'm Mike Yusim. We're listening to Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, is Channel 132 on Sirius XM. Stay tuned. We're going to continue our discussion with Jose after a short break. It's all about career development, leadership, and career transition. Stay with us. Just before the break, I did reference this question of a uh, kind of a a self-imposed sabbatical People, just to put a couple words on that, people often, if they've been forced to leave a job or they voluntarily step down, will say, I want to take off a couple months with family, with friends, with the beach. A question for you on the hiring side is if you were to look at a resume where somebody took a sabbatical, uh, sabbatical meaning in this case, no pay, no employer, for a couple months, I'm guessing fine. Six months, still good. A year close to the limits. And if somebody has had a sabbatical for a couple of years, that could be worrisome. Jose, what do you think? <laughs> Great question, Mike. I think I, I see uh, when you have a, a proposition for yourself in terms of what are you doing, what's your desire, internal call, it's 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 very important that you can do 
And you have to think about if you are not retiring and you are planning to come back to the market, what kind of explanation you have to, to provide to your next employer or to a headhunter after the period that you are mm -hmm. coming back. So most of people, they, they leave for a relaxing period or decontamination process uh, without knowing that, and mm -hmm. they do uh, as they are doing escape. Uh, when you're escaping, it, it, it's important to, to, to find yourself again and come back as soon as possible because in the market there is a dynamic. One empty position is not waiting for, for you. And if you are a very well-known person in the market, uh, probably the market is going to call you back very soon, and they need to understand what you're doing. Mm -hmm. If you want to get some rest, that's okay. You can come back. I take six months, and I, get, I got some rest. I visit different countries. I learn about different cultures. So it's a very conscious response that you can provide to somebody, somebody else that is talking to you. But I see a lot of people that they stay one year doing nothing, uh, no contribution, if uh, pro bono stuff, uh, and they, wh why, and uh, what have you done in this period? Hmm. And they say, I, I tried this, I stay on the beach, I, I traveled, and they, they are not convincing in terms of, uh, you took one year of your life in doing nothing, even for you, and you are not yeah. able to explain the meaning for yourself. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and, and they, it, it's, it's, the people don't understand, and they, we understand from the psychological side, it, it's escape. It was escape in the beginning. Yep. Uh, okay, that's fine. Uh, let's, let's understand that you need some time to recover, but it's even better to make the recover with us. Uh, we can talk about, you can put everything from inside to outside, from your mind, your heart, and you can start again if you decided to go to make to go to Santiago de Compostela path. Uh, it's fine, and you when, when you come back, you can say that uh, I did a very great journey in the Santiago Compostela in Spain. I learned a lot. I met a lot mm -hmm. of different people, and and I, I, it was fun. Uh, and smiling, that yep. that's the, the good side of make a sabbatical. But if you don't, if you don't do that, and if you are suffering, and uh, and stay away just because you don't know what to do, what to say, is not good stuff. That's interesting, Jose. One more question, and we're going to move away from sabbatical. A still different kind of sabbatical, and maybe you've done this yourself, is to take off a couple months, maybe more to study a subject at a university, or in one case, as somebody we had on this program, he took off four months and went on a tour of American business, met with lots of people, was not at work for four months, but met with many, many senior managers around the country. Um, part of it was curiosity. Part of it was what could he pick up that he might bring back into his own firm. So quick question is, how, how would you look at, from an employer standpoint, uh, a person whose resume said, I took six months off to study, let's say, um, modern management methods at a main university in Sao Paulo, 
or they perhaps even did what I just referenced there at the end. They decided to just take time to kind of, instead of exploring as you might on a sailboat the world, they uh, literally got in a car and drove from one company to another to see that world. Yeah. What do you think? Personally, I, I do love to see those kind of things. I, I do believe that it's very good always to meet different people, to, to study, to learn different mm-hmm. concepts, theories. I, I do love it personally. But from the employer point of view, the employer in a selection process, they are, they are always selfish. They look at you as a, as a candidate, and they are trying to find some matches. They have a profile that they are looking for, there are some problems to be resolved, and they start looking at you and think if you are able or not. If the, 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 the study period or the content that you have been studied or the training program, whatever, the, how long is the, is the program, has a, a interest or has a, a, a interface with what they are looking for, it's just fine. They're going to be loving you. If not, they will not care. Mm-hmm. So, and, and sometimes they think they don't understand your desire, and they think it was a waste of time. Yep. So yep. just because they are very selfish, they have something that they have to fulfill, and you are supposed to, to, to be the person or not, or somebody else. It's a really interesting point. And to use the language we used a few minutes ago, if you're considering taking off several months, and maybe longer, either for private time or some kind of a sabbatical, you need to know what your strategy story is going to be later on to explain what you've done. So think strategically about that as well. Jose, I'm um, going to move a little bit uh, laterally here and ask about your work with uh, middle to senior managers who have come to you for coaching, for mentoring, for guidance. That could include a career transition, but of course it could include their own leadership strengthening. If you could take a minute or two to describe how you do that kind of close-in work, coaching, mentoring, career direction, what goes into it, what seems to work, and what does not. Okay. I I have a, a managerial responsibility in the company, so I don't have much time into to coaching, but because I love it, I, I reserve some time. I don't mm-hmm. tell my boss about that, but mm-hmm. I reserve some time to have a five or six clients in coaching process. Uh, in coaching process is not a career transition process, and the coaching for us is something that we don't do advice. We always try to, to find out the answer a truth the, the person so it's important to them find the answer so my my position is always asking questions and the mirror them with some actions or some facts but they are supposed to find a question but overall hmm. they are people ceos mailing uh, because according to my mission personal mission is to change the world truth uh, high performance leaders I choose to work because I don't have much time, only with CEOs. So the CEOs comes to a coaching process, mainly to develop something that they think that they don't have. They discover that is the very interesting part is sometimes they discover in a feedback process from, from the board or from the shareholder 
uh, from the market or for their people. Sometimes it's internal employees give the feedback to the boss. Uh, in fact, some, when they are able to, to, to listen to them, and they come to us and say, I want to improve my, my leadership style, or there are some mm -hmm. things that I don't understand, or sometimes they say that people that work with me don't understand me, and I want to find a way to, to explain myself in a different way. So those kind of excuses, uh, they are just the, the peak of iceberg. But they, we open the door and they come, and then we start working together and talking and asking questions, understanding their journey, uh, how they have learned some things. We always try to identify their values together with them because the values are very important things that, and the beliefs, mm -hmm. the beliefs that they develop in, in their lives. And that's uh, start helping them to, to, to understand how they, they work, uh, how is the function if they, they were a machine, uh, what is the probability that they do things differently if they want to do change. And uh, in a CEO suite, it's, they are very lone. So it's also a, a good moment that they open themselves. They talk about the fears that they have. They talk about things that they don't know how to do, and because they, they sometimes they, they they cannot open the I don't know to the their subordinates or sometimes to the the, the bosses or the owner of the company or the board. It's a very lonely. Yep. Position and the coaching helping a lot to to a moment that they can share uh, the uncertainty in, in the business or in sometimes in their lives. Hmm. Yeah, I had a lot of clients that they were close to retire and they didn't know what to do. They had the reputation, they had money, uh, but they had no idea what to do after. They retired and very healthy with 62, 63 years old, uh, had no idea to do. And the, I know people that they, if they don't have, make a plan <laughs> and they don't find inside doubt, inside themselves what they, they do, they do, what the contribution they do goes to, they start taking medicine to depression after that because it's not a matter to 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 spend the money or yep. just having fun mm -hmm. it's a, it's a matter how can find themselves a recognition around them in the world yep. what the influence they have around the people and if they stay doing nothing alone it's it's a very tough stuff so that's that's yep. the one uh couple examples about coaching. Jose, let me come back to that question of what to do in just a second. I do want to remind our listeners that this is Leadership in Action. I'm Mike Hussein. You're listening to Leadership in Action on the Sirius XM Channel 132 here at Wharton. And we're speaking, we're in dialogue with Jose Augusto Figueiredo, who is president of Lee Hecht Harrison in Brazil. He also teaches leadership at a major MBA program in Brazil. And, Jose, I want to come back very briefly to this issue of people then finding their next self, their next phase. And just to make it very tangible, if I walk into your office 
or one of our listeners walked into your office and said, um, I want to be out of here in two years. I have uh, enough cash now to live uh, according to my expectations, a style I prefer, and I don't have any hobbies. I don't have any other interest. Mm-hmm. W- w- what is your advice? I, we, we have to sit together and talk because I need to to help him or her to find out what they have they they have done great things in, in the professional life. What were the accomplishments? Uh, I ask them always to tell me good things, projects, stuff that you accomplished in your career. And they start talking, uh, and we start mm-hmm. finding together some competences that they develop. For example, if they say that there was a project that was in a startup situation, I was there and I did a lot of things. I hired people, I I developed people, I had to lay off some people, and I find a client, I was in procurement. So we start learning about the competences because we believe that something that we did great in the past, uh, the chance that we do again in a different model, but your skills set uh, will not change. And we believe mm-hmm. that the happiness comes when you give the contribution to the others. So what would be the way? I had one one quick example, one client that he was in the oil industry for a long time as a CEO, and he had no clue what to do. And we started working for a couple months and talking about the accomplishment, accomplishments, and he, he wrote 25 accomplishments in mm. 10 years of, of his his. A professional experience with that company, and in the end, I asked him, "Tell me, what your your differentiation in terms of your professional skills?" And he he said, "I'm totally disappointed because I discovered that my my we say in Portuguese, the jump of the cat. Hmm. My jump of the cat is." I I just do a good I am I have a very easy relationship man. I have a lot of connections and I love to talk with people and people love to talk with me. That's my and I think it's not it's not important enough to to be a CEO a strong differentiator. Mm-hmm. You believe that is not easy to find out because if you are very relational relational person and you made a lot of good clients a lot lot of great reputation in your industry that's the competence that you gave uh, to the company is very important to you Uh, what about going to be the future Hmm. where you can you apply this differentiation that you have and he was brainstorming about some things and he found that he also can Hmm. And make a strong contribution in some in some board uh, situation, in some consulting process in the startup industry that were arriving in the country, but always based in the key competence that he discovered that he was differentiator. I, when I came back to the, hmm. came back to HR in in that company, and I asked the HR, tell me who's going to be his replacement successor and the company gave me the profile of the person but here doesn't say that the guy has a strong relational as a competence uh, network in, in Brazil 
and the, the lady said, and I don't know, because the job description was not supposed to have that hmm. as a competence. But I tell you that your boss is here for 15 years, and the strongest competence that he has is the relationship with the market. And they discovered that the successor was not prepared. And we had the time because at that moment to, 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 to become to help the, the, the CEO to become a mentor of somebody else internally mm. in one year period of time developing this kind of a relational competence. So it's that's how coaching uh, works and the I hope if you sit with me I can help you to discover what's gonna yep. be your next your next path. <laughs> that's great. Jose, we're getting close to the end of our time. I've got a final terrain I'd like to briefly get on to. Thinking back about your clients this year, thinking back about your those that you've coached over many years, could you pick out one or two themes that seem to capture what a lot of those people were really good at? What, what, what's a common denominator that ex- helped explain why they were as good as they were? And then, of course, the other side of that is there a more frequent than other factor that they have come to you to get better at? So on the upside, what's the outstanding, what are the one or two outstanding features that are common to many? And on the downside, what are the one or two most visible shortcomings that you've seen? I think, Mike, <clears throat> the very, I mean, very unusual uh, profile and the targeting is always people they don't understand that we do things to ourselves only I mean mm-hmm. we are always do doing things to, to, to the others and we don't realize that our recognition comes from something outside of us and I see a lot of people telling uh, talking to me about what they are, they are they were willing to do but always in a selfish way i want to do that i want this job i want to make this project uh, to myself and they don't realize that recognition is going to come from outside mm. and it's very i mean it's very interesting that great leaders they are always in service of others uh, ambitions is something very good, but all in a service of the others, and the, all the collection and the, the credit is come after, and they are not ambitions to get the credit first. So that's the big differentiation that I learned from the last 18 years mm-hmm. doing that. Uh, when I see some leaders that they are thinking always, I want to, to become a, a, a a mayor of that city, for example, uh, not to get some credits to myself, but I want to become a mayor to, to change the reality in that society. Uh, that's something very, very, very interesting. I don't know if I answered your the, question. You did very, very well. And if there's a if there's a, a theme that's been very important for you, this is not to make a final personal question, put a final personal question in front of us. If there's a theme of that kind or a set of learnings that you've had from working with your clients that you now apply personally, 
in leading your own firm in Brazil, what would you single out? <clears throat> I think it would be a, a, a paradox because the issue for me today and a lot of leaders as well is we are we are we have been asking to think about sustainability we have been asked to think about the long term mm -hmm. we have been asked about the future all, all the time in one hand in the other hand you have to deliver results in the quarter so the big issue for me is who are those people that they are making ourselves crazy <laughs> because they are the shareholders they are the financial sector the investors what they are thinking, because it, it, it's, it's not sustainable. If someone is delivering now, probably the delivery now in this quarter may affect the future. So, and when you look at, we are probably in the other position. We are the investor relationship with, I have the stocks of one company, and I want the CEO of that company to make the same process, make the money now and not think the future because I don't know where I'm going to be here uh, in the future. So that's a very human, selfish process that I would love not to make if I have a company. Yep, Jose, that is a wonderful note to end on. I want to thank you for joining the show with us tonight. You have called in from Brazil. Thank you very much, Annette. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 